puts that one to Christensen incomplete. And Hum is down and writhing again as Jim Osborne got him. He is hurt. He is hurt. Ray Guy, the putter, is the emergency quarterback. Big salaries for quarterbacks. This is one of the reasons they can command them. They're trying to block in there. Kenny King had a shot at Osborne. Couldn't get to him. Looks like he may have caught a helmet up underneath his chin on that play. They're going to keep him down momentarily. Their defense just attacking there. You see the red stripe under the chin of their... That was from the time before. Remember, they were looking oh, in yes. his mouth. Yeah, well. Ray Guy, we were checking there. Of course, Guy, the, the veteran of now 12 years in the league, he has thrown three passes, but those well could be three that he's thrown I'm from sure punt, they formation. Were punt formation. I don't think they've ever had to use him in this situation, although he's been ready for it. He runs the scout defense. In other words, this last week, he was in playing quarterback, running the Bears' offense against the Raider defense. And you got to believe that one man on that sideline wishes he were in uniform today. Plunkett's a tough competitor, and stomach, pull stomach muscle or no pull stomach muscle, he would much rather go out, even with his injury, than to have to send Ray Guy out there. That's, you know, if I were Ray Guy, maybe I'd say, uh, <laughs> are you sure you really want me to do this? Well, Guy, who has a great arm, there's no question about that, as Hum has helped off the field. The second Raider quarterback to leave with injuries. Wilson went out twice, once with a back injury, once with a injured thumb, and now Hum. He went out once uh, after a whack. He saw the bruise on the chin, and they were checking his teeth, and now hard to tell whether that's the knee. I think that's a If they put him on, you know, they list the injuries of athletes, that might be you start at the top of the head and go down to the feet and just say anatomy. I mean... Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time to remember that this, what is it? Remember this crap. <laughs> that crap, this crap. This crap, that crap. crap. Somebody remember, remember some crap. And Mike Donahue is here to remember crap about uh, the history of the Bears and the Oakland, Los Angeles, Oakland, Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders. Did we miss anybody? Any, any towns there? Barstow? Did they ever play in? Bakersfield. I heard something that I was going to look this up to see if it, if he even got one more, but apparently the last four times the Bears have played the Raiders, where they were the road team, it's been in four different. Well, this will be the fourth different place. Really, I think that's right. No, that's okay. not right. I guess the, the last four times they played, they've played a, they've they've played in a different city. That's what it was. It's Oakland, Chicago. London, Las Vegas. And I was going to look to see if the time before that, maybe, because they don't play that often, that maybe it was in L.A., but I doubt that. Every yeah, every four years, and then before 2001, it would have been every three years. Which, unlike the Bengals and Browns, they kind of held to that. They seemed to, uh, I, I looked it up, they, they actually did play a few times uh, in the 70s, but 
they pretty much played every even when the Bears were coming in last place. The number when the number came up, they they always played the Raiders and two. So there's quite a few games between those two teams, and we're going to cover a few of them, I'm sure. What would you give for Vag McCaskey to come out? Because I'm sure she's going to Vegas. She's not missing a trip to Vegas. Hell no. Got to go. Come out go before down. kickoff with the Mark Davis haircut. <laughs> That's to fire the guys up. Where are the $2 blackjack tables? <laughs> Ed and I used town. to go to Circus Circus. <laughs> no, Is Binion no, still here? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think if I think I, I haven't been to Vegas I, I, in years. I've been there quite a bit in the late '90s, early aughts, uh, and I know the Strip is basically not what it was. But downtown, I think, was where you could still get a two-dollar steak dinner and you know find those two-dollar tables. I don't even know if that's the the case at the Fremont ex, Fremont Street experience. Well, There's a pretty good chance that speed. at some point this week she's asked somebody, "Is does Mo Green still run the Tropicana?" <laughs> Ma, Mo Green was was a fictional character. You mean Bugsy Siegel? <laughs> I'll bet she knew Bugsy. She may have. Yeah, might have. Uh, might have gone to a sock hop. With, uh, young Bugsy. So the uh, Bears and Raiders played fifteen times. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair. More than the Bengals. And the Raiders hold the series edge at eight to seven. Ooh, we got a chance to even up the mark. And it has been um, pretty, well, I'd say it's even. The Bears have won eh, three of the last five. So, yeah, pretty even. In our lifetime, I don't, I don't think any one team has had the, the down and upper hand. I mean, they were both good in the early 80s. Took the Bears four cracks at him to finally beat him. They lost the first okay. three times. Like Kenny Stabler. Maybe not even that first game. What was the first year they played? What would that be like? Probably 71 or 72. something? 72. Raiders, Raiders won 28-21 in Oakland. In Oakland. Okay. So yeah. that was the third year of the merger. And then in, Was uh, Ken Stabler... I'd have to look this up. They don't, well, they don't have the box score on that one. I can find Okay. It. The next time, 76, was a nail-biter. Raiders won 28-27. Wow. Raiders won it all that year. Bears uh, And the Bears were mediocre. So Bears actually gave them a, gave them a fight. Then they played again in 78. And, uh, oh, two years. Bears two lost years in later. overtime, 25-19. A walk-off okay. touchdown by somebody. I can find out here. Okay. And that was at Soldier Field, too? So those were both John Madden teams. Yep. Probably all three of those. I think Madden was Madden had to have been around, because 78, I think, was his last year. Uh, those were great Raiders teams. So the Bears actually were mediocre. They played them tough then. They couldn't beat them. Uh, Bears, scored, so they, Bears scored on a uh, Mike Spivey 71-yard blocked field goal return to take a 9-6 oh. lead. Because, of course... Bob Thomas missed the extra point. Boy, we see that a lot when we look back at How these many? old games. As you know, of course, in the early 70s, as Bob Thomas would tell you, the, the, they had to kick extra points uh, from the 40. Right? No, no, it was the two. No, no. 
It was the, the two. two, but I think that was before Thomas's time, though, because Thomas Thomas came in with Peyton. Oh, no, no. in seventy five. Well, yeah, but this right? is this is uh, seventy eight. Yeah, Bob Thomas. So they uh, were twenty five yard field goal made, extra point okay. missed. He did did make an extra point on uh, my my favorite player Roland Harper's touchdown. Made a field goal to give the Bears the lead in the fourth quarter, only to have Errol Mann tie it up late. And then Art Whittington, on a one-yard run, sent the Raiders on the plane happy. I can just tell you that in the course of doing this, we've covered several Bob Thomas missed extra points. Yes, we have. We talked about the, uh, and we may replay this, but the Bears-Packers game where they won 61-7. to Bear scored nine touchdowns, but Bob missed two extra points. He was exhausted, though, probably, <laughs> on that right. one. Oh, from and all then he, the kicking off and the extra points. And, oh, right. it's terrible. And then he also, we we broke down that Bears-Redskins, that epic playoff game in 84 at RFK. He missed a, he missed an extra point in a playoff yes, game. Yes, he did. He, there was so, a reason that Ditka could not wait to cut his ass. Yeah. They were, so they would have won that game in regulation if it wasn't for Bob Thomas. They would have. It would have been a Yes, it would, the Raiders would have had to have tried to score a touchdown late instead of tying up. 1981. So, Bears went to Oakland. And yep, they I remember that one. 23-6. See, and that I want to feel, I, going off memory, I feel like Vince Evans had himself a game. And it makes no sense that the Bears won because the Raiders were, they might not have had a great season, but they were defending Super Bowl champions, and the Bears ended up fin- finishing in last place that year. And somehow managed to go into Oakland and uh, and, and beat them. And uh, I remember because the Raiders had that mystique, and that was the first game I remember watching. Yeah, the Raiders were seven of, and seven. Kind of the okay. Bears were five and nine heading into, or four and ten. Excuse me, four and ten going into the game. Vince Evans, okay. fifteen of thirty-two, two hundred and forty yards, three touchdowns, an interception. He threw touchdown passes to Ricky Watts, two to Ricky Watts, and one to Kenny Marjoram. Oh, good old Kenny Marjoram. Good old number 82. The, uh, I, 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 I vaguely remember the Marjoram. Marjoram was really good when he first kind of burst on. But Neil Armstrong would have been dead man walking because that was his last uh, his last season. So it wasn't enough to save his job. Uh, the kicker um, at that point was... Oh, John Rovetto, right? John Rovetto. Yeah. Who made all three was, of his uh, uh, extra points, at least. I don't know if, if, I, if he missed any field goals. So Rivetto, so Thomas was gone longer than I thought because Thomas was gone and then he came back. Rivetto missed a field goal of somewhere between 20 and 29 yards. Jesus. <laughs> what is, what, did the Bears have practice kicking? Seems like was kicking was like a surprise every week. We have to do what? Oh, shit. I How guess did, that's uh, what Thomas is here for. Right. That's right. That's why they brought him, well... Because he Thomas came back in '84, so he was the, Thomas was an exile for. I think he, Thomas actually kicked for the Lions maybe for a year or two, and then he came back. Yeah, until they got Butler, they didn't really have much uh, in that department. So in the '78 game, Peyton had run for 128 yards, but in this game, he only carried the ball seven times for 28 yards. Yeah, well, Vince Rove, Evans was throwing, throwing yeah, darts. Vince was firing. Vince also ran five times for 47 yards, including okay. a 25-yarder. Uh, Ro Harper. 15 carries, 49 yards, carried the weight wow. for the Bears. Outdid, outdid sweetness. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's one of those games that doesn't make any sense. I, the Raiders probably just, I don't know if they were injured. Uh, like I said, they were defending Super Bowl champs. 
I don't know if they're still if that game knocked them out or something. I can't. I mean, I don't know how they lost to the Bears because the Bears were bad. That was the Bears' first victory ever over Oakland. Yep. And then their second victory ever over Oakland. One oh, of the yeah. most memorable games of. Uh, well, it's got to be the most memorable Bear Raider game ever. No doubt. November the fourth, nineteen eighty four. The Los Angeles Raiders at the Chicago Bears. Also, once again, defending Super Bowl champions. Yeah. So the Bears beat them twice. So real quick, just to provide context, because what I what I remember about that Raiders game first going in was the week before, like well, the Bears defense really, really started to emerge that season. In fact, I think statistically they were superior to the 85 Bears defense. Um, because I think they had more sacks. But the week before and I'll never forget, pretty sure it was the week before, but the Bears had played the Vikings. And good old Archie Manning, Peyton and Eli's dad, who was the long-suffering quarterback of the uh, New Orleans Saints, was at the end of his career, and he hooked up with the Vikings. And the Bears' defense sacked him, I think, like 9, 10, or 11 times. It was just ridiculous. And I remember watching it with my dad. And, you know, my dad, very superstitious, you know, he had a rule, you know, I think I mentioned before, uh, in 83, there was a game where uh, the Bears had, um, were, were about to knock the Packers out, and Bart Starr was the coach, he was going to lose their job, and my mom, who remembered Bart Starr from, you know, being the Packers quarterback, and she had the nerve to express that she felt sorry for Bart Starr. <laughs> And then, of course, my dad just shoots a glare across the room because the game wasn't over yet because Bart Starr was going to get fired if he didn't get the Packers to the playoffs. And um, and sure enough, I forget the details of this game in 83, but the Packers ended up coming back and knocked the Bears out. The, the Bears ended up knocking the Packers out at Soldier Field a couple weeks later anyway, and Starr lost his job. But it was probably the closest my parents came to a divorce mm. because my mom had the nerve to you know, show some humanity and express some sorrow for Bart Starr because the game wasn't over yet. But this Vikings game was so bad that even my dad, he violated his cardinal rule. It didn't matter. Game was over. But he had to just basically say he felt sorry for Archie Manning because poor old Archie Manning, who already had to suffer the indignity of, of quarterbacking terrible Saints teams. And he was a good quarterback. Uh, you know, he's an old quarterback for the Vikings, and the Bears were just, just coming into their own, and they just dropped him on that Soldier Field turf. Like I said, a 10 or 11 times at the end of the game, Wade Wilson, future bears coach, the late Wade Wilson came into that game because Archie had had enough. I don't even know if Archie ever played again. Was Archie, uh, was he good old number four for the Vikings? Oh God. I don't, I can't remember what he was. My for the mind, I, I somehow picture him uh, being bludgeoned wearing number four. Could be. There's some video, but I remember, and that was kind of like a yep, Richard Dent's four. coming out party. Nice. Uh, that really kind of started making a name for himself. So that, so the, the bears defense is really starting to come into form. They, they, they sacked poor old Archie Manning's old ass a bunch of times. I think it was and 11 times. Wasn't 11. Jesus. Can you imagine that? Cause I think we talked about <laughs> the fact that in back, they had 20 sacks in two weeks. Because then that was the sort of the appetizer for the Raiders game. So the Raiders come to town the next week. The Bears are really sowing their oats. The defense is sowing their oats. And it was more of the same. And, and unlike the Vikings, the Raiders were really good. Like I said, they were defending champs. And uh, I think they were pretty good coming into that game. I don't think they had, you know, they hadn't really fallen off. They were 7-2. and, uh, seven and two, Okay. Taking on the 6-3 and three Bears. It, we knew it was a big game because the announcers were Dick Enberg and Father Murphy. Good old Merlin. So, so we had the, Merlin we had the, yeah, 
Yeah, we would have the top matchup. That was, you know, as we said, and whenever the AFC would come to Chicago, the game would be on uh, on NBC. We were always a little more excited about that because it was kind of a novelty. It only and I've said before, I have nothing to back this up. I always feel like the colors were better on NBC than they were on. Yeah, it was. There was something about their, yeah, their Technicolor or whatever. It, it was just, it was always a more. It always kind of gave you a little bit of extra juice because it was not on CBS and especially this one. It was a nationally televised game and had the number one crew and the Bears were good. You know, uh, we've talked about it before. I mean, '84 Bears. This was they'd finally arrived first time in our lifetime. I mean, oh, they, they made the playoffs in '79. There's a little bit of a one-off, but uh, you know, we were, what we're looking at at this point when the Raiders come to town in 84, the bears were really on their, on the Ascension. And that, and this game was um, just, it just, it, it hit all the, it hit all the marks. So uh, before we get into this, now you said your mom exp- uh, got uh, in trouble with your dad for expressing sympathy about Bart Starr. My mom, similar thing about uh, Lindy and Fonte. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not. All right. So, uh, yeah, so Bears, Bears, Raiders. Uh, there was a lot going on in this one. Um, and I I know you want to talk about uh, <laughs> the the only lineman who lost his job between 84 and 85 with the Bears. Oh, yeah, uh, Kurt Becker. And his run-in with a, uh, a very famous uh, Raiders defensive lineman. Hall of Famer, I believe, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. I was a gamer. So Howie's story yeah. about um, you know, Howie retired relatively young, and Al Davis tried to convince him to come back the year he knew he was going to be elected to the Hall of Fame. He wanted him to come back and play another year, just as a situational pass rusher. And Al's whole thing to Howie was, how cool would it be to get inducted in the Hall of Fame in August and suit up in September to be the only wow. active Hall of Famer? And how he said he thought about it for about five minutes and said, no, yeah, no, there's a reason I retired. The only comp I have for that was Jim Palmer. Do you remember Jim Palmer's uh, ill-fated mm-hmm. comeback in spring training? Like, uh, I don't know, 19, I don't know, whatever it was, but he was, he was trying to become the first hall of fame pitcher to pitch in a regular. It's funny. I've always thought one of the reasons that. he, he gave up on it. Plus the fact that he was throwing 84 miles an hour or whatever it was, was yeah, one yeah. of the things he's most famous for is he never gave up a grand slam. Really? And, his, and I almost wondered if he's like, Jim well, there's probably no way I can avoid this. Unless I guarantee <laughs> they're going to take me out if I load the bases. Somebody's going to hit a fucking grand slam on me. I'm not coming back. Screw that. <laughs> yeah, it did work out for, for Jim Palmer, and it would be even less likely in football, man. He also for wanted a- to pitch wearing just his underwear. Jackie, right. Jackie was going to give him an extra million bucks if he pitched <laughs> in his underwear. But I mean, football. If if you've played, if you're a Hall of Fame football player, that obviously means you've played several years. Uh, even if Howie was maybe a relatively young Hall of Famer, maybe not like oh, he had at least like a twelve year, yeah, at least. And it's football. And maybe he wasn't. Maybe it wasn't even that he was that young. It's just that he kept himself in such good shape. Yeah. That Al was like, hey, I think you could still play. I'd like to see you in the shower room again, <laughs> uh, Al. That's, I wonder. Uh, I, I wonder how late. I wonder what that had to be in the early '90s then, because Long was in his prime in '84. Howie Long, two middle names: Howard Matthew Moses Long. Okay. He played from. Yeah, he played twelve years, 1981 to 1993. Okay, Jesus. He was born in 1960, so. so he retired. At thirty-three, wow! So he would have been thirty-eight. That's why 
he must be in that list that we've talked about. We talked about it last year, but we replayed it for the Lions about the the, the yeah, thirty eight. He would have ridiculously. Be, he would have been like three years too old for that list. Okay, for the top six. Yeah, thirty three right? is probably not a really uncommon Hall of Fame age or retirement to, age to retire. No, yeah, ten years. Yeah. I mean, you can you can put together a body. Well, and he must have been. Years. He must have been. He was only twenty one when he broke it. Like Peyton, because remember, Peyton yeah. is one of the younger Hall of Famers, even though he had a, a relatively long career, felt longer. Yeah, he, he, never played one, he played one more year than Howie, 13 years. Yeah, but Peyton was, you know, came into the league at 21 also. Okay, um, so um, Kurt Becker, Howie Long, not a big Kurt Becker fan. No, sir. <laughs> So Becker was the guard that got replaced by Tom Thayer. In 85. When Tom Thayer played, what did we decide, 18 games for the Blitz? I think so. They had an 18-game schedule. And then yep. had to play 19 games for the Bears, right? Yeah, I don't know. Actually, I, I think, think the Be- Blitz played two playoff games. I think he played 20 games for the Blitz and then played 19 games for the Bears in one calendar year. It could be. Although, remember, remember the Blitz were not that good after they switched franchises of Arizona. You know, the first year they were pretty good. Um, but regardless, I don't think Thayer was the starter at the beginning of 85. I think he took that job from Becker somewhere, you know, early in the course of that season. And he was, Becker was on the 85 Bears. It's just, he wasn't the starter. Thayer took his starting job. And Becker was good. I mean, but Thayer was really good, but Becker, I mean, that was a good line, even in 84. It was the same line, like you said, it was the same line in 85, except you had Becker instead of Thayer. Goal number 79. And so, yeah, he would have been the, uh, he would have been the guard opposite Mark Bortz in the, in that Raiders game. We should probably also reference, you know, I'm sure you'll pro- provide a link, but the, it was uh, a dead spin, a, a pre zombie dead spin. Oh God, this is eight years ago now, 2013, where they recap this game. It's a it's a great read, and it details some of what you're about to talk about here. <laughs> I remember I enjoyed the hell out of reading this when it was first published. I've read it a few times since then, uh, but it does go into detail about what a, just what a violent game they, they refer to it as one of the most violent games in the history of the NFL. Uh, I suppose even Ditka's quoted as saying as such. Um, a lot of them. Merlin Olson had comments. It was a brutal game. Just brutal. Yeah, it was the it, and the brutality. I think was probably enhanced by the uh, the unforgiving Soldier Field turf, which was not yeah, but, which was turf only in the loosest uh, definition like a, of there was some sort of lot, outdoor spray, carpet, right? Spray painted green. Yeah, it was it was cement with a little fuzz I, on it. Whenever I look at old footage from uh, those days, I cringe. Every time a guy gets just tackled, you know, you got some 280-pound lineman just landing on top of somebody. It was basically yeah, playing on an enormous pool table. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe a little felt, and that was about it. Pretty much. Yeah. So, um, so how he claimed that Becker was taking cheap shots at Raiders – defensive backs and linebackers at the ends of plays. Like he was nailing guys, 
basically after, approaching after the, the pile. He was just hitting guys late. And, uh-huh. uh, yeah, so Howie challenged him to come out to the parking lot. And he just, yeah, he said, <laughs> according to the article, he says, at one point, Long threatened Beers guard, Kurt Becker, I'm going to get you in the parking lot after the game and beat you up in front of your family. <laughs> Long reportedly shouted at Becker. And then several years later, Long owned up to it. And he said, yeah, I said it. He'd spent the day flying over the pile and hitting defensive backs late. He was my target for the game, but I had missed him and sprained my back, so I was upset. Everyone has their favorite threat, and that's mine. Lyle Alzado says, I'll kill you and everything you have, or everything you <laughs> love. Everything you love. I'll kill you and everything you love. So yeah, that Raiders team had so many characters, right? Because there's Alzado, right? Now I don't know if John Matuzak was still. Uh, he might not have been. He Matuzak might have been with that 1980 Super Bowl Raiders team, but so many characters. Lester Hayes, yeah. you know, just dripping with stickum in the secondary. Um, Matt Millen would have still been there. Yeah, no, yeah, Matt Millen was fierce. Yeah, they were. They had some great players, uh, and they were tough, and they were mean. But the Bears are up for the challenge. That's what made the game so satisfying. You know, as you're a Bears fan, right, we haven't really ascended any of these heights. And the Raiders had done it twice in five years, the world champions. And uh, so it really felt good to sort of level up with the Raiders and, you know, and, and see uh, Kurt Becker just get under Howie Long's skin like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think t- players got their licks in in this game because that was the last game Jim McMahon played in the 84 season yeah and that you I mean we don't know that I, I suppose it would not have changed the outcome of the NFC championship game I, unlikely but uh they played a long time then with Steve Fuller as their quarterback and thank God they they picked up Fuller I never thought I'd say that but when the, Fuller was not even on the team at the beginning of the year, because we mentioned Bob Avellini's swan song when he got picked off in Seattle, which might have been his last NFL pass, which enraged a young Andy Dolan. Uh, but yeah, Avellini was still one of their quarterbacks when that season started, and Rusty Lish was on the roster. So somehow uh, they managed to pick up Fuller, who was still relatively young. He was the chief starting quarterback uh, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, it's a good pickup. I mean, Fuller wasn't great, but they yeah, they absolutely needed uh, somebody uh, to back up McMahon. That didn't suck. So, yeah, Fuller ended up taking him the rest of the way, I guess. So the stat that we always remember from this game was the was the nine sacks and the fact that Mark Wilson, who had been a teammate of McMahon's at BYU. Yeah, his predecessor, yeah. his quarterback. Right. Kind of the first. Well, no. Um, Gifford Nielsen. Gifford Nielsen was the was like the first of the, um, what was their, BYU? What was the Cougars? Crazy, what was their head coach? Lavelle Edwards. Lavelle Edwards. That that you know, chuck it all over offense. Mm-hmm. It was him. Then it was Mark Wilson. Then it, McMahon, McMahon took it to new heights. McMahon had a yeah. McMahon had the record for most passing records broken. That's how many passing records he broke in NCAA yep. history when yep. he left. And then he got replaced by Steve Young. Nope. Oh, was it Young? Yeah, Somebody Young and then Robbie Bosco. Right, okay. and then Robbie Bosco. And Robbie probably had the most ridiculous stats of any of those BYU quarterbacks. Yeah. Enough that the uh, Packers couldn't wait to scoop him up, and then That's right. it turned out he was terrible. And then, yeah, shortly after that, you had Ty Detmer, and then it kind of petered out. Yeah, for a, while, then... for a while there, that was a that was a quarterback factor. And now, Zach Wilson. Oh. Mark Wilson's cut... son. No, it's not Mark Wilson's son. I, Zach Wilson's a BYU quarterback? Yes. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. 
But yeah, so, for a while, you're like right. He's 12 years old. Bullfucker can throw the ball like 110 yards in the air. But uh, there was a. You're right though. There was a steady succession of BYU quarterbacks that uh, that played in the NFL. Um. So we remember that stat, but there are some others now. So the Bears get on the board in the first quarter. Walter with an 18-yard touchdown run. Bob Thomas makes the extra point. That a boy. Oh, hey, how about that? Uh, they take a 14 to nothing lead early on in the second quarter. Peyton runs for eight more. Um, then it's going to be just field goals the rest of the way. Chris Barr, 44-yarder, and he makes a 40-yarder in the third quarter, and then Thomas makes a 29-yarder late in the game. But um, the uh, I don't know. There we go. My thing is being very slow here. So the Raiders passed for, as a team, uh, Mark Wilson and um, I can't remember the other guy's name. David Hum. Hum. I was going to call him Huff. David Hum combined 12 completions and 28 attempts, three picks, 106 yards. Pat, I'm surprised they got that many. The Bears... How much? How many more yards do you think the Bears pass for than the Raiders in a game they won seventeen to six? Twelve. They passed for fewer yards. They passed oh. for a combined. McMahon was three for eleven, for sixty-eight yards. Steve Fuller, red hot, four for five for twenty-seven yards. They passed wow. for ninety-five yards. Actually, eighty, eighty-four. When you take the sack out. This basically fits the narrative as to what a defensive game was. I mean, you said the Raiders' only two scores were field goals of 40 yards and beyond. Yeah. So they weren't even they – they probably didn't even get into the red zone. They probably didn't. I would I would wager that they I, did not. I mean, if you get a 40-yarder, you're, you're, you're at the 23. And then Barr kicked the 44-yarder. So, yeah, Bears defense, pretty stout. So Walter ran for 111 yards on um, 27 carries. Oh. Calvin Thomas, our guy, five carries for twenty-three yards. Go number thirty-three. Uh, David Finzer, star of the game, seven our punts, punter, twenty-eight yards, or two hundred twenty-eight yards, forty-one yard average. Um. So here's the here's how the sacks were distributed. Al Harris had a sack. Mike Hartenstein. Mike Singletary. Mama's boy, Otis Wilson, a sack and a half. And Richard Dent, four and a half. Wow. (laughs) I guess the Dent was really coming on. Nobody knew who he really – Dent was a late-round draft pick in 83, so he was not, you know, highly uh, scouted. And I think he also had a number of sacks against Manning the week before. He he was emerging. And I think part of it was like they didn't – they hadn't yet figured it out. So I don't think he was getting – they couldn't really double team him because they were always double teaming Hampton. I mean, you know, it was Buddy Ryan's defense. I mean, he had so much talent. I mean, it's almost unfair uh, that you're 11 versus 11 because if you're double teaming Hampton and you have to account for Harris and Singletary and Wilson as the linebackers, yeah, Dent's going to feast. And, you know, so he's just beating whoever his, the tackle was all day long. So, uh, one Raider, one Raider passer, um, completed a 38-yard pass. Do you know who that was? 
I'm going to guess it was like a ha- halfback option pass. Was it Marcus that Allen? It was Marcus Allen. He was one for yes. two for 38 yards. Yeah. <laughs> um, Wilson was seven of 19 for 70 yards. One pass went for 31. Of course, he also he had to take, he had 31 yards of sack losses you have to delete out of his to get him right. to 70. Because you have the team stats. And David Hum, um, four for seven for 56 yards. Yeah, uh, for those of you listening, you could if you could, there's a full broadcast of this game on YouTube. You you'll you'll feel the violence, and you almost feel for Mark Wilson. And you watch the game, and Wilson got banged up early, and he got hit hard. There were some hits. He just like, and so they go to home. And I remember watching this game. I remember like my dad, my older brothers, like, oh yeah, I kind of remember. He was like a long time backup, but he never played. If you look at David Holmes. Uh, career line. He he was with the Raiders going all the way back to seventy five. Kind, of like, kind of like Cliff Stout. Yeah, exactly. And, um, exactly. Uh, Don Strock. I mean, I'm I'm just looking at Hum's line. He's a rookie in seventy five. The Raiders went, went to the Super Bowl in seventy six. He's getting into games seven games fourteen. He's probably just a holder though. Like in seventy six, and they went to the Super Bowl. He played in fourteen games. He went three of five. So he's obviously out there taking snaps on field goals. He's hard. I, I mean, up until this game, this might have been his last game too, because his, his season total for 84 was four completions, seven yards. Um, well, I, think it, I, think his, it, I think it was the last game of his career, right? Yeah. It, it, it made it very, well, right. And so, but I remember like people, like people in my family that had been watching football and were vaguely familiar with him. He'd been there a long time, but he never played. He was like a, in case of emergency. I mean, look, 76, five attempts. He didn't even th- make an attempt in 77, even though he played in all uh, 40, uh, 14 games. 26 attempts in 78, no attempts in 79, 14 attempts in 80, 24. So, I mean, the, 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 he didn't even have a hundred passing attempts in a, what amounted to about a, almost a 10 year career. It was the Chase so, Daniel of his era. Thank you. Right. Until he got exposed in the bears game and they knocked him around. He was a left-handed quarterback too, if I'm not mistaken. And so it was funny. They, knock out- they, uh, they show the highlight of him getting hurt. And I, at the time when I first saw it, I wondered if he really was left-handed or he, that was simply his only way. <laughs> Cause he gets just mauled. He just, the ball just like, comes flying out. And I was yeah. wondering, it was like, fuck it. Just here, take it. Yeah, Wilson gets knocked out. Hum comes in. Hum gets knocked out. Wilson has to come back in. We find out later he had a broken thumb. Yeah. So but... they, well, he, so they, the way they explain it in that article was he early in the game, he gets hit and he hits his hair and uh, Merlin just uh, diagnoses him from the booth with whiplash. Dent throws him on the ground and he hits his head and he says he's got whiplash. Oh, it's concussed. Yeah. And he comes out and apparently, um, Hum comes in. But then Wilson's able to come back. So he comes back in, he plays for a while, but he hits his thumb on a, one of his linemen's helmets, and he okay. hurts his thumb. So they take him, and he's in the locker room getting, I, I can't, I'm sure the Soldier Field x-ray machine in 1984 was a real beaut. <laughs> some high technology there. It was probably uh, you know, just, it was probably just uh, Ed McCaskey with a camera. <laughs> you want a picture of your thumb? He's pushing the pedals on the player piano to help <laughs> manufacture the image. And uh, Hum gets broken into six pieces. Yep. And the whoever is taking the x-rays, they have the, there's a TV on in there, and they look down and they say to Mark Wilson, do you guys have another quarterback? And he's like, no. And he's like, well, you probably should get back in there then. And Wilson said they never, they never told him what the x-ray said. In fact, the article starts with him after the game, team doctor saying, they won't tell you this, but you broke your thumb. 
and part of the reason for that was because the Raiders were forced with the possibility of having to insert Hall of Fame punter Ray Guy, who, of course, is you know um, known as one of only two punters to have ever been drafted in the first round. But unlike Russell Erskleben of the Saints, uh, Ray Guy lived up to it. It was a, actually a shrewd pick by Al Davis because he was a Hall of Famer. He was one of the greatest punters in the history of the game. He was a Hall of Famer, deservedly so. He's a great athlete. But he never played quarterback. And so the just the thought of of having to put him in against this Bears defense that was already knocked out two quarterbacks. And I remember that Merlin and Dick were talking about it during the game, and they're kind of showing Wilson on the side. He wasn't overtly hiding, but <laughs> you could just imagine the uh, the urine streaking down his leg as he's standing there. Like, really? You're going to ask me to take snaps under center? Uh, fortunately for the Raiders um, – yeah, there's better a, better judgment prevail. Well, there's a long delay because uh, they're trying to uh, pick up all of Hum's pieces, and so there's a there's a long clip on the Deadspin article of Merlin Olson and Dick Ember talking, basically extolling the athletic brilliance of Ray Guy, about how sure. he he runs the scout team, he's the quarterback on the scout team every week, so of course he you know he's got some uh-huh. experience, but he's never thrown a he's only thrown three passes in a, in a games and they were all on fake punts. F- Fake punt formation. Um, but that he's got such a great arm, he can – this old football bullshit that they still bring out. He, he could uh, – remember Dieter Brock, they used to brag about this too. He could – they claimed Guy could uh, be on his knees at the 50-yard line and throw the ball through the uprights. Okay, when sure. is that going to – what fucking good does that do yet? But that's great. He could do this. <laughs> and Guy is kind of like ambling around back there and uh, – at no point does he like walk up to Tom Flores and give the old, all right. Um, so if you need me to go in, what do you want me to run? He's just kind of standing around like, oh fuck, this is gonna suck. Please don't ask me. Please and then don't he's ask me. To very, very relieved looking when Wilson comes trotting out. Wilson goes into the game, and one of his either running back or wide receiver has to snap the chin strap onto his helmet because he can't do it with his broken thumb. <laughs> and Merlin notices just... it right away, and he's like, "He can't even do his chin strap." And uh, but to Wilson's credit, he played the rest of the game. He missed Unreal. a few throws because he couldn't actually grip the football, but uh, he yeah. survived, yeah. and he did not get knocked out again. And it, he's having to throw because they're losing. So. so that was a precursor to uh, a year later in Dallas when the Bears knocked uh, Danny White out of a game. They broke his wrist. In the forty-four to nothing game, Gary oh. Hogaboom came in to replace yeah. him, and they knocked Gary Hogaboom out, and White had to come back in with a broken wrist. I yeah. don't remember had to that play with a that's broken a, wrist. I don't know that Landry a, made him attempt pull. to pass because it was so okay. blown out. I think he was just in there to hand off. But uh, they had wow. done it before, uh, and they would do it again. Wow, that that's pretty much that pretty much just summarizes the Bears' defense. By the way, uh, David Hum did not play his whole career at the Raiders. Apparently, he left after '79 to hold a clipboard in Buffalo for a season, yeah. and then Baltimore for two. But he came back in '83. He actually won two Super Bowl rings, and in both of those Super Bowl seasons combined, he was three of five. Yeah. Um, just wanted to set the record straight. Still count. He yeah, '84. He got the same ring that Jim Plunkett and Ken Stabler did, or maybe Ken Stabler both times. I don't know. A Stabler got one. Yeah, Stabler in '76, Plunkett in '83, and Plunkett also in '80. But David Holm was in Buffalo in '80. So, um, wow. Yeah. So the but, most the most famous injury from that game is was not suffered by either Raider quarterback. It was suffered by Bear quarterback Jim McMahon. Yep. Um, who. I guess Merlin described it as, oh, he probably bruised his back. 
<laughs> well, he, uh, yeah, on his way to rupturing his spleen. No, he... lacerated kidney. Oh, lacerated kidney. Sorry. Lacerated kidney. Oh, now, God. the story they didn't leave in there is one of my, if one of my favorites was, so he got hit and he stayed in the game for a few plays. And I've told this story before on this very podcast. Yep. Yep. The, you know, one of the tight ends shuttles the play in and, um, McMahon couldn't repeat the play because he couldn't catch his breath to say it. And when he gets to the line, Walter Payton realizes he's no way is he going to be able to yell out the, you know, the cadence. So Payton did it from running back. He called out the signals to get the ball snapped to McMahon because McMahon couldn't, you know, he basically was his, everything was filling up with blood. And they finally take him out of the game. And his agent tells the story in the Deadspin article of walking in and seeing Jim in full pads, pissing blood into the toilet and that's when Jesus they decided Christ. you probably should yeah. go to the hospital he didn't just go to the hospital he was in the hospital for two weeks yeah <laughs> he could have died yes that ended thus thus endeth his 1984 season yeah yeah so brutal on both that i mean the bears delivered more hits as far as uh quantity but mcmahon obviously probably had the worst Injury of the game, obviously. You know, broken thumb, that's going to heal. Freaking lacerated kidney. I mean, that's it's your freaking organs. I don't know. I heard Bob Thomas uh, stubbed his toe on one of the kickoffs. <laughs> <laughs> bothered, him, bothered him for uh, a couple of hours. It was terrible. The, the funny thing is, the, the Bears went face the other L.A. team the next week, and they lost. And that's like the game that I blacked out, and I don't remember, and you brought it up last year when the Bears played the Rams. That was the game where Eric Dickerson, because Eric Dickerson, uh, this was the season in which he broke O.J. Simpson's single-season uh, rushing record. The Bears actually lost to the Rams the next week. Um, you know, they weren't perfect, but, you know, of course, at some point, you can't keep ascending. You're going to have a little bit of a setback, but it's just one of those funny things that after – Beating up Archie Manning, and then Mark Wilson and David Hum. They 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 had a little bit of a stutter the next week in a game that I just cannot remember for the life of me. But still, at this point, um, you know, we we were pretty feeling pretty good about uh, about this defense of ours. Twenty sacks in two weeks, Jesus. So I was wrong. I told you before we started that I had I had memories of a preseason game uh, between these two teams. It wasn't a preseason game, unfortunately. It was the next regular season game between these teams. 87? Yeah. December, the two days after Christmas, December the 27th, 1987, the Bears went out to the L.A. Coliseum to take on the Rams, and they won. 6-3, to three, right? 6-3. to three. In a real yeah. juggernaut. And I don't think the Raiders were, were at this point now starting to suck. So yeah, the Raiders, were, the Raiders. Raiders were 5-9 and nine coming into this. The Bears were 10-4. Uh, and four. Yep. And, you know, the Bears, we've talked about this, where the Bears would always get off to great starts under Ditka, especially, you know, right before the Super Bowl and after. And they'd always sort of peter into the playoffs, like two and four in December. I think they beat the Raiders a couple of weeks after, like, losing, like, 49 to 14 on Monday night to the, to the 49ers. So, you know, very uninspiring victory as they head into the playoffs, in which they would get bounced right away at home to the Redskins. So, um, I, I, I just remember it was a real low score. And the defense always carried them all those years, and that, as evidenced by a 6-3 to three victory um, in L.A. First time the Bears played the Raiders in L.A. Because when they played them in 81, they were Oakland, right? That would have been one of the last games yeah. Oakland played uh, the first time around. So the 6-3 so, uh, to three game, 
Mike Tomczak was the quarterback. Of course. 12 for 27, 146 yards. Uh, didn't throw a pick, at least. Peyton led him with 82 yards on 20 carries. Probably his last regular season game. Yeah. Well, no, they would have played one more. Really? In 87? Oh, because the strike. Well, they were 11 of 4, so they... They played. Well, they all played. Fi- you know, they all played 15 games that year. They oh. lost the game because of the strike. Oh, okay. So it was. His they finished. Yeah, game. they finished. They finished 11 and four that year. Yeah, they played three scab games and then one game got got taken off the schedule. So it was only a 15 game uh, season in '87. So yeah, it would have been Sweetness's last NFL regular season game. And you know, he didn't. That was like the first year since his rookie year in '75. He didn't gain a thousand yards. So I think they just wanted to you know, send him off because he didn't really have that great of a season in 87. The, uh, Neil Anderson was waiting in the yeah, wings. Yeah, so in the 6-3 game, the Bears defense played. i got to pull up the team stats here. You're going to get the total. Um, yeah, I thought this was going to be it. So they, uh, it was less famous, but they had nine sacks in the game. Oh, wow. Once okay. again. And there's going to be another stat that's exactly the same, which is when we go through uh, who got all the sacks. Um, Stephen Michael got two. Dan Hampton, a sack and a half. Dave Dewarson got a sack. And Richard Dent, four and a half sacks again. Jesus Christ. So two Richard games Dent in a row not, against not... the Raiders, he had nine sacks. The Raiders, basically, <laughs> wow. that and the Super Bowl MVP, they put him in the Hall of Fame. Wow. Holy shit. Mo Douglas well, had an interception. Who did? Mo Douglas. Hey, did he dance on the pole sure to celebrate? Did. Well, it was uh, uh, for no yards. So, so Dent. Uh, so I'm, now, I, like no, that game was pretty uneventful. I know they played again in '90 early in the year. I talked about the Bears getting off to a hot start. I think they were three and zero when they went to LA and they lost. The Raiders made it. They were good in '90. So I, I guess I should correct myself. They didn't exactly go into a slumber after the mid '80s because the 1990 Raiders went to the uh, AFC championship game. That was the year Bo Jackson got hurt against the Bengals. Oh, is that the, the year they, is that the year the Bills scored fifty one to three, I think yeah. was the so so um as per the script, the Bears started off three and zero. And actually, in nineteen ninety, they were coming off that team that 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 bottomed out under Ditka in eighty nine. But then they bounced back for a couple of years, got off to their typical strong September start, and they went into Los Angeles and uh, they got blitzed. They got blitzed by the the Raiders. I think Tim Brown may have scored a touchdown against them. Um, so that'd been the first time first time that they lost to the Raiders since uh, the the game in seventy eight. Yep. Uh, but that was still a Bears playoff team. It was a Raiders playoff. Ninety, team. Uh, they lost twenty-four to ten. The both teams yeah. were three and zero going into the game. Okay, yeah, Raiders are good then, I guess. Oh, Art Shell, Art Shell was their coach. Uh, oh no, I read that wrong. Uh, Jim Harbaugh threw an eighty-yard touchdown pass to Pinky. Dennis Jim. Oh, nice. I Harbaugh saw Jeff got Jager got all excited because I thought it was when he was kicking for the Bears, but that was much later. Oh, we'll get back. We'll get back to the J. That's '96. We'll get there in a minute. Um, but yeah, that '90 game. Uh, you know, um, I, I I can't really remember much other than the fact that it was the first chink in their armor that year, first loss of the season. So in that '90 game, three Bears completed passes. Jim Harbaugh, Tom Mike Tomczak. Wait, and, hold on. And if you can get this one right, you win a. You win a bag of it, soup. It would not have been P.T. Willis because he came along the next year. It was not a quarterback. Oh, uh, was it Anderson? It was not. 
Although the Neil peak. did play. Yeah. It was I didn't know he this guy ever threw a pass. Johnny Bailey. Oh completed a pass for twenty two yards. Look at that goodness bag yeah, of tricks. Can I tell who it was to here? No. Johnny Bailey was a rookie in nineteen ninety. Yeah, not a lot of rushing going on for the Bears. Uh, Neil six carries for twenty six yards. He yeah. led the team. And Neil was in Neil was in his peak, so that'd been one of his worst games probably because he was Neil was probably at the ascension of his career by at that leading point. receivers. Uh, oh, it's a bad sign. The top two white guys: Brad Muster <laughs> and RoboCop Jim Thornton both caught oh, three geez. passes. Uh, also on the list, Tommy Waddle caught a pass for twenty three yards. Oh wow. See, I, I never, I didn't think Waddle got into a game before the '91 season. We took Waddle's coming out party was that Monday night game against the Jets in '91. So, so I, didn't, I didn't know he actually the, had game action. Let's see who the hot shots for the Raiders were. Oh, Jay Schrader, Schrader the oh. Raider, uh, eight completions oh. and 15 passes, 178 yards. Was he the regular quarterback? Was he there? Was he, he there? He was taking own, snaps in the. He was their the only conference? quarterback that day. Okay. Well, nobody gained any know. yards. Marcus Allen, 12 carries for 57 yards. Greg Bell, He's at the... okay, 10 for 46. That was Greg, right? Yeah, Greg. Uh, Notre Dameer, right? No. I got that wrong. Oh, get, look right. who led the – guess who led the Raiders in receiving? Four passes for 103 yards. Not Timmy Brown? Including a 59-yarder, former Bear, Super Bowl champion. Who? Star of oh, Willie Stage Galt. and Screen, Willie Galt. He had gone That's off to L.A. to become an actor. Uh-huh. I remember that now. Willie Galt did go to the Raiders, and he did he did score a touchdown. Tim Brown didn't catch a pass. He had three returned three punts for 34 yards. Only okay. three Raiders caught passes. Willie Galt, okay. wow. Irvin Fernandez, and Ethan Horton. I remember Ethan Horton. Not a lot of offense okay. in that game. For either. No, just like a lot of these so far. Yeah. Six to three, 17 to six, <laughs> three reset, three receivers catching passes. So when they hooked up in 93. The Raiders won again. All right. 16 so, to 14. Can we dive into this game? Because I want to just say one thing. I'm not, a, neither of us are Dave Wonstadt fans. Okay. Ah. Uh, but Dave Wonstadt was his first year in 93. Took him to the playoffs in 94. But that 94 season was bookended by two seasons in which the Bears basically missed the playoffs down the stretch by a game. And you can almost point it down. In 95, it was a Steelers game, which we I will gladly go into when we cover the Steelers in a few weeks. Uh, 93 was very similar. They both had the same culprit, and it was Kevin Butler, who, by the way, I'm not a huge Kevin Butler fan either. It always bothered me that people like legitimized him as some sort of a tough guy. He's a fucking place kicker, but somehow he was accepted as, you know, but. All right, here's you know, an interesting, uh, relatively recent uh, Kevin Butler factoid. Uh, in, the, in Roquan Smith's final college game, which is game Georgia. most famous for um, Tua coming off the bench and bailing out Alabama in the national championship game. Okay. Had Georgia hung on to win, Kevin Butler would have gotten a national championship ring because he was a graduate assistant for the Georgia wow. Bulldogs. He'd gone that back to cool. school and was a graduate assistant in his 50s or 60s, probably. Yeah, or 50s for sure. Um. That's a wild game. I can't remember the details. I remember not. I was wor- I was in DeKalb. I was working at the Pistol. I remember missing it, but watching the highlights, and it was this wild back and forth game, and the Bears totally had a chance to win it either in overtime or at the end of regulation. And well, Butler the, missed. 
like a 30 yard field goal or something. Um, so I'm just going to say that, that if anyone has any animus towards in this 93 Bunga, game. Yeah. I don't know. I don't it know. If you show the Bears this. scored a touchdown with a minute and 13 seconds to go. Terry Obi got a 13 yard touchdown pass from Harbaugh. Okay. So, I don't know. Did they get the extra? Did they get an onside kick and have a long yeah? Field goal and, to try and it wasn't overtime. End? No, because it was sixteen to fourteen. Uh, there's a point in the game where where Butler missed. Uh, it was it may have been earlier, but he missed a total gimme, which would have been the difference in the yeah. game. And the Bears didn't get eliminated till like the second to last week of the season. I just feel like, uh, you know, as much as Dave Wanstead was a boob and he would have been exposed anyway, I feel like he probably like was kept up at night thinking the two separate seasons, Kevin Butler's uh, inability to make a makeable field goal. Well, and that's why he sabotaged their season. That's why he replaced Kevin Butler with Carlos Huerta. Carlos Huerta, who's just as bad as John Rivetto. But I never blamed Wanstead for getting rid of Butler because if, if Kevin Butler cost me a trip to the playoffs in two separate seasons, much like Ryan Dempster, uh, I I would be, you know, I would be very hard on him. But so, yeah, the box score is probably not going to have it unless you have mi- missed field goals. But yeah, he missed. The, they don't have the play-by-play, but they should have missed it was, field goals. And it's possible that Jaeger missed one, too. Like, it was a weird, was, ugly kind of a game. Butler was uh, was 0 for 2 field goals. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Doesn't one say of how long was, the attempts were. Uh, yeah, one was a shorty towards the end, and uh, I just remember that um, you know when 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 they were alive towards the end, and like that's a game that had they won, I think it would have changed it. And it wouldn't have mattered. Obviously, the Bears were not going to compete with the Cowboys and 49ers back then. But at the time, you know, it was fair to to you know gear a lot of your animosity towards Butthead for missing a missing a gimme. So that was an ugly game. Raiders beat the Bears for the second straight time. So now then, we get to go to the Jeff Jager revenge game. Yeah. 1999. The Raiders are back in Oakland. And it's week three. Both they may teams, have been in Oakland. Were they not in Oakland in 96 or no? Oh, I didn't look. They probably were. Let's see. I thought they, I thought they went back in 94, 95. Yeah, 96 okay, anyway. the Oakland Raiders. Yep. Okay. But they were in the 96 they were. No, you no, but you're right. You're right. Ninety three, they were L A. I was jumping ahead to ninety nine. All right, so ninety six, it's the it's the ninety six. They, they were Oakland, but they were playing at Soldier Field. So this is their yes. Bears return to Oakland in ninety nine. Yes, to but ninety six then called Soldier. Network Associates Coliseum. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, and, all uh, I can remember about the ninety six game was that the Bears had picked up Jeff Jager, uh, Eric Kramer, who was coming off a, a historic season the year before. He got hurt and tiny handed Dave Craig came in and Craig did. Okay. Uh, the, you know, again, the bears were alive that season. I mean, that was the, when P, the pieces were in place. Remember they started the season by knocking off Dallas on Monday night and then proceeded to lay an egg against Washington the next week. So they, 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 they ended up one and three and it was, that's when the bloom was off the rose for Wanstatt. but they did redeem themselves against the Raiders. So in nine, wow. 99 would have been Gruden and Jerron. Yep. Yeah, but at 96, all I can remember is Jaeger, Jaeger won it towards the end of the game, and he was a longtime Raiders kicker. So that's all I can remember about wow. the 96 game. Bears won. Did I skip 96? Is that what happened? Uh, you may have. You may have jumped ahead, but I did. I, I don't I know. missed the win. There you go. So, yeah. All I know is that Dave Craig was the quarterback. I'm, I'm fairly confident. There it is. And, Jeff Jaeger, three fourth-quarter field goals. 
Oh, by the way, I need to jump back to the 1990 game to see how many sacks Richard Dent had because Dent was still a still a bear. In the 93 game, Rashawn Salam scored an 11-yard touchdown run. You mean 96? 96, sorry, 96. And the that made it 17-10 Oakland, and then the Raiders got Jager bombed. He made a 24-yarder, a 40-yarder, and a 30-yarder. I'm sure he flipped off Al Davis on his way off the field. And, of course, he is, until now, the most prominent bear in our lifetime to wear the stripe. Numero the uno. bears number one. And I have my – You can only you can see this. I have my Jeff Jager hey. shirt on. There it is, number one. <laughs> You have Jager scratched out. Yeah, it doesn't say. Feels, well, yeah, a lot of people took old. Well, there's so many fans of Jeff Jager that they took they took their old Jager uniforms and they put duct tape over it, wrote Fields on it. Mine's the opposite. I took a Justin Fields one, put duct tape on it, and wrote Jager <laughs> to celebrate the true number one. Or I also have a Jeff George uniform somewhere, and I put that on. Oh, that's right. But Jeff George never played in a game for the Bears. Um, no. But real quick, 1990, uh, Richard Dent did not have a sack. The Bears only had one. It was by Ron Cox. So uh, Richard Dent's uh, career sack total remained at nine. Good old number 54. Check the 93 game. That's right. Was Ron Cox the guy or was it John Roper who fell asleep in John the Dallas? Or it was Roper. Yeah. yeah. I was. I always have a tough time uh, distinguishing one of the those great, two. One of the great Jimmy Johnson stories of all time. Absolutely. Uh, Dent was on – Go ahead. If Emmett Smith falls asleep. Oh, if John Roper yes. falls asleep in a team meeting, you cut him. If Emmett Smith falls asleep in a team meeting, you wake him up and ask him if he wants a pillow. Yeah, that's, that's right. The difference. Yeah, Richard Dent went sackless in ninety and ninety three because he was still on the Bears in ninety three. So Dent retired with nine sacks against the Raiders, all on the strength of two games. So was ninety three was his last season? He went to the Niners in ninety four. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, I think I he was done. Telling one of my buddies in Northern. When he was he was becoming a free agent, everybody was like, oh, "I think we're going to lose Dent." I'm like, "Not going to lose Richard Dent. Look at him. He's too lazy to move. He's not going to want to pack up all of his shit." I was sure he was just going to resign again to not bother to have to change houses. I was wrong. Yeah, but not a terrible he came back theory. too. Yeah, he came back. He, he came still back kept in the house. That's why he's like, "I still got a house there. I might as well go play for the Bears." Well, speaking of theory, I think he may have come back to to Tudor John theory, maybe yes. a little bit. Oh, another great first round, great, another great first draft. round pick in '94. So, all right, so '96, the Jeff Jager game. There you go. But the Bears go nowhere. I don't know where the Raiders were doing. Uh, and then in '99 was back to first time in Oakland in 18 years. I guess that was another early season game. Um, that was the Gary Croton run and gun offense. I think Macy Brooks caught his first NFL touchdown. Maybe I'm wrong, but they got blown out in that game. I don't think, uh, I, I can't think of anything significant other than, uh, Shane Matthews. Oh, 99. They they only lost 24 to, um, 17. Okay. And they were up, they were up 17, 14 at the end of the third. Oh, it took a Michael Husted 47 yard field goal and Tyrone Wheatley. Eight-yard touchdown run to beat the Bears. Um, I forgot about Tyrone Wheatley. Ricky Dudley and Tim Brown caught touchdown passes that day for the for Rich Gannon and the Raiders. Was that his okay. MVP oh, so, year? No, his no. MVP year would have been um, not that they went to the Super Bowl, but the year before or two years before, something like that. So, yeah, the, Gannon was already pretty old, but he was ramping up. So, yeah, once again, the Raiders – I kind of had it in my head that the Raiders had a dark age, and maybe they did, but it wasn't. Maybe it was after this period, or maybe after Gruden, because they they never really went 
too many years in a row without being relevant because that, you know, 84, they were defending champs. They were still okay in 87 and 1990. They went to the title game. Um, yeah. And then in 1999, um, you know, they were, they, like I said, they're ramping up again. So they weren't, they're they never really that bad. This was a pretty um, star-studded Bears offense. 99. Uh, I was wrong about Macy Brooks, but he didn't cut. Curtis Conway caught a touchdown. Not Macy no, Macy Brooks. Brooks held three catches for 51 yards. Oh, there you go. There uh, you yeah, go. The, the, here are the, just listen to these names. Woo. Guys who caught passes for the Bears that day. Curtis Conway, four for 33 yards. Curtis Enos, four for 37. Macy Brooks. Three for fifty-one. Bobby Engram, three for forty-two. Ryan Wetnight, three for nine. He must have had it tough in high school. Marcus Robinson, two for twenty-nine. Glenn Milburn, two for nine. Oh. Ty Halleck, one for three. Don't even remember Ty. Halleck. John Allred, one for three. John Lynch's brother-in-law. Guys, who, okay. Guys who threw passes for the Bears that day: Shane Matthews was twenty and McNown, one hundred seventy yep. yards, and Cade McNown. His return yep. to California, three for five for 38 yards. How could they possibly lose? But they did. Frustrating. I don't remember that the Bears actually were leading that game. Yep. Um, and they, you know, they blew it. They blew it late. And Tyrone Wheatley, I always felt he went to Michigan, right? He did. I always felt bad for him because he could have gone pro after his junior year and may have been a first round pick. And he decided not to, which, you know, is, to me is like evidence like always take the money. And he got hurt his senior year and he uh, hurt, a, hurt a stock. I think if Tyrone Wheatley had gone pro after his junior, he would have made a little bit more money in the NFL. But Tyrone Wheatley Jr., you know who he played for? No. The Bears. What? Offensive lineman. Jesus. I don't know if he ever got in a game, but he was suited up for Was it Bears. during the John Fox era? Because that's when I blacked out. I think it was just a couple of years ago. Might have been oh, last okay. Year. Why do I not remember that? I think I would have remembered that. All right. Well, let's look. Tyrone Wheatley Jr. Uh, also known as T.J. Wheatley. Nobody's ever called him that. No, no, no. Uh, by the way, you mentioned Bobby Ingram. I always kind of liked Bobby Oh, no, no, Ingram. no, no. He's on the Bears now. Oh. He's on their practice squad. Wow. It wasn't last year. It's now. Well, wait till they unleash him on the league. That's a, Justin Fields and Tyrone Wheatley should do it this week. Fire all Can't the big wait. guns at the same time. Make it happen, Captain. Oh, and I see too. Curtis Enos scored a touchdown in that Bears Raiders game. That's a rarity. It's like a, finding a unicorn. So, all right. So, oh God, two thousand three. This is really something. This is the Cordell Stewart, right? Yeah. This is at the new Soldier Field. And and the only thing I'll remember about this game is that this game occurred about five hours before. Kerry Wood and Joe Borowski yeah. closed out the Cubs' first uh, postseason series victory in uh, 95 years. Happened on the same day as Cordell Stewart vanquishing the Raiders at New Soldier Field in 2003. That's, this is all been... I remember about that day was the Bear Raiders. I don't remember that. <laughs> I remember Sebastian Janikowski making four field goals in the second quarter. I was in uh, Madison all week. Because my wife had a conference, so I watched that whole series uh, like at various bars in Madison, and I remember watching that Bears game. In fact, if you were a field goal enthusiast, you <laughs> you it was boner time in the second quarter. Paul Edinger, thirty-five yarder. Janikowski, thirty-six yard. Janikowski, thirty-nine. Janikowski, thirty-two. And at the horn, Janikowski, thirty-three yarder. That put the Raiders up eighteen to three. Wow. Edinger made a 50-yarder in the third quarter to make it 18-6. And then Marty Booker 
caught a 14-yard touchdown pass from Cordell. Okay. The great Stanley Pritchett. Do you remember Stanley wow. Pritchett? As, as a Patriot, right? Well, he was a bear was that day. A... <laughs> eight yards. Eight-yard touchdown run, and then uh, they Sorry, went for two. Sorry, not a Patriot. a Dolphin. And Cordell okay. Stewart punched it in, made it 21-18 Bears. Janikowski tied it, and Paul Edinger, with no time remaining, made a 48-yarder to send the fans home delirious. Bears won 24-21. From New Soldier Field. That was the first year of the new stadium. Stanley so. Pritchett. I don't remember that at all. Uh, my, he wasn't New England. He was Miami. I do remember the name. I, I Clearly, I don't remember accurately who he was because he played for the uh, the Dolphins. And, he uh, even played for the Bears. It was a fullback. Yeah, he was a big running back. Oh, played for the Eagles. Yeah, he was actually on the Bears for three years. Wow. Actually started 11 games that year in 2003. Uh-huh. Who knew? Well, somehow I blacked all that out. Sorry, yeah. Stanley. Well, we were preoccupied. Yeah. The Bears were not good in 2003. That was Jerron's uh, last season. Then we could usher and now, in. of course, since we're we're, we're post uh, we're post expand or post, I guess, uh, realignment. So now you're playing uh, other conference every four years, yeah. not three years from this point. And I gotta say, I don't really recall the 2007 game, which is weird because it's the year after the Super Bowl. Yep, Lovey oh. packed up the Bears and took them off to what was then <laughs> the name changes every year, McAfee Coliseum. Probably not named after uh, Colts, uh, former Colts punter Pat McAfee, but could be. Or former Bear, former Bears Hall of Famer George McAfee. Yeah, that's probably who it is. Yeah. Isn't the McAfee from, isn't he like, didn't he go nuts and go to prison? This is like the Don't. antivirus software guy. Yes, 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 yes. Conspiracy theorist. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't, uh, I'd have to just try to divine this from the box score. The Bears were, uh. Four or was it three and five going in? The Raiders were two and six. Yep. Bears won seventeen to six. Cedric Benson scored a touchdown. Oh, nothing but field goals until three minutes and eleven seconds left in the game. Woo! Oh, I, I remember this game in Oakland. I kind of remember this now. This was a game where Grossman came off the bench and pulled the game out. Yeah, the Bears Brian were still Greasy. alive. Brian yeah, Greasy had to start. The one, yeah. Um, Grossman, you know, he was right. He was up and down, obviously. Led him to the Super Bowl the year before, and a little inconsistent. He had a good year on balance, in spite of some awful games. Uh, one thing I'll say about Rex Grossman is that I don't recall the Bears ever losing a game with him at quarterback in which they were leading late, and he actually pulled some games out. And this was one of them, and he almost kind of earned his job back in this game. So I do remember this game now because he came in in relief of Greasy, and and yeah, that fourteen fourth yeah, quarter. This was points. like his uh, Jim McMahon in the Super in the uh, yeah, um, just Metrodome. like it. Yeah, and I'm sure 59-yard touchdown pass to wiped uh, out a linebacker on, on a block, too. Yeah. Well, it was probably Garrett Wolf because he played in the game. <laughs> or it could have been the original Adrian Peterson. He also he also had two two rushes for wow. six yards. Yeah, that's okay. I kind of remember that now. I remember only because Grossman was – because I was always kind of pulling for that pudgy little bastard, even when he drove me crazy. And he, and he redeemed himself this game. Came off the bench and, and led him to two fourth-quarter touchdowns. And the Bears were still alive. For a few more weeks. Bears were led in tackles that day by Hunter Hillenmeyer. Helen Huntermeyer? Helen Huntermeyer and Adam Archuleta, who didn't, I'm sure didn't see a single guy that he tackled because he just ran his head down <laughs> the entire time, like always. Pat Manley 
had two tackles. So Special apparently teams. a lot of punting. How many times? Yeah. Brad Maynard punted nine times, yeah. So Pat had, Pat had lots of chances for tackles. Yeah, ugly game. Ugly game. McAfee Coliseum. Yeah, okay. So move on. I don't know what else to say about that one. So 2011. This I remember this one. Still lovey, right? Yeah, so this would Lovey's have been. Last the year. We, this is actually no. kind of bittersweet. No, no, no. It was sort of a uh, second penultimate year. Okay. So this was the year, the week before, I want to say, I could be wrong. The week before is when the Bears were absolutely flying as close to the sun as possible. They beat the Chargers at Soldier Field. They're a legitimate title contender at that point. I think they went, there were seven and two maybe going oh, into this game. Yeah. Cutler got hurt though. He broke his, you know, he got hurt in the Chargers he game. Broke his, but it wasn't necessarily. He broke his hand on a tackle on an interception, right? Yeah, but it, so, but it wasn't necessarily season-ending. The Bears were flying high, right? And it was like, okay, you're facing three consecutive. You already beat one of them. You already beat the Chargers, but you have three. There's an odd scheduling glitch. You had three consecutive AFC West opponents, and at that point, the Bears were. I, I wanted to say they were seven and two going into the Raiders game. Uh, and it was like, okay, well, you got the Raiders, you got the Broncos, you got the uh, uh, the Chiefs. They all stunk, really. Um, and you're going with Caleb Haney, Caleb Haney. And it was like, all right, well, you only have to win, like, one of these games. Preferably two, okay, if you can. And uh, the Raiders game was the least depressing. I mean, we all know about the Broncos game, and we've talked about the Chiefs game. Uh, the Raiders game was kind of like one of these ones that they sort of punted. You know, they didn't really – they didn't really – feel like they were in it. The, the, the final score is 25 to 20, but that's only because Haney threw like an 80 yard touchdown uh, late. Right. There's gotta be somewhere. Uh, maybe well, he threw a nine late. yard touchdown pass to Kellen Davis. No, but he threw have been like set a set up with a long pass. It was set up with the long one, but the, the, they weren't really in this game, but it was the first of that, that sort of baton death March where the bears come into this game, you know, so they're seven and three, sorry, not seven and two. And then they, I don't know. Did they win another game that year? I mean, they may have, but by the time they won another game, I don't think it mattered. They played themselves right out of contention because they didn't have a flipping backup quarterback because whatever Caleb Haney showed them in the NFC title game the previous January, they felt, yeah, okay, we're good. We can go with this guy. And then when it was put to the test, uh, it, it, it failed miserably. Yeah, they didn't win another game till the last game of the season when they were already out of it against the Vikings. So. But the the Raiders game was the first one. The Raiders were, you know, six and four. They weren't bad. So it wasn't a game you expected them to lose. That was the one you expected them to punt on. It was the, the two subsequent games that really that really hurt. And again, Dan Janikowski, he was a Raiders kicker for a long time. Because he was in this game. So he was in the game in ninety six. He was in the game in ninety nine. Or was he in the game in ninety six? I think he was, right? Uh, yeah, he came into the league. No, he wasn't in '96 or '99. Sorry. Yeah, in this, was in the uh, league a long time. In the 2011 game on the Bears' second to last drive, um, the one that ends with the touchdown pass to Kellen Davis, he completed an 81-yard pass to Johnny Knox. Okay, that's it. And then the Bears actually what? got the ball back with a minute one. And uh, I can't imagine why the Bears weren't better. Uh, he completed a, an eight-yard pass to Sam Hurd. Do we know what's up with Sam Hurd these days? <laughs> so check cell block D. Then That's a, our NIU guy. Then a 22-yarder 
to Roy Williams. Oh. That got the ball to the – oh, the Bears are still only on their – oh, they get the ball on their own four. <laughs> Eight-yard pass oh, gets to the 12. With a minute to go. All right. Then uh, the 22-yard pass to Roy Williams. Haney spikes the ball. Then incomplete for Earl Bennett. Complete to Forte for 12 yards. And then uh, the game ends <laughs> on a Caleb Haney intentional grounding. <laughs> That's a great way to end the game. How appropriate. That's just appropriate. Wow. Uh, 2015 would be the... Oh, yeah, this is a, this is like a huge moment for the franchise. Well, what yeah, you, you, can take, you can take this one because this is my blackout period. I have no recollection of any of the This John was the Fox first era. win of the John Fox era. Is that right? Yeah. I believe. Hey, I who's that? 22-20. Yeah, the Bears had started 0 3. Yeah, I got and nothing. Then, uh, I got nothing. I was worried about the Cubs are, you know, beating up on the Cardinals around this time. I was, I, I'm sure I was aware of the Bears. They were, they're on the TV, but nothing stuck. So Jay I got, threw I got a nothing. seven yard touchdown pass to Eddie Royal. Uh, Derek Carr, who they will see on Sunday, 26 yard touchdown pass to Amari Cooper. Carr threw a touchdown pass to Roy Hallou. Hello. Cutler threw a, a fire pass to Martellus Bennett. Robbie Gold kicked a field goal. Sebastian Janikowski kicked a field goal. Robbie made a 54-yarder. Janikowski made a 41-yarder. And with two seconds left, Robbie Gold fed his family with a 49-yarder. Bears win. And then they, that, yeah, that, we need that to, really uh, spurred them on to greatness in the, under John Fox. Who's we need still to, the coach uh, today, right? Isn't he still? No, I think he's not. I, I'm going to put this game into the category of forget this crap because I don't have I don't have an ounce of recollection of this game whatsoever because I, like I said, it was kind of like when um, when the Cubs bottomed out and hired Theo and I knew they're going to be bad. I just didn't pay attention. This is how it was when they fired when they hired Fox and they kind of were trying to start over. Just like um, I at this point I'm like I'm too old to follow this shit that closely and I don't. I don't have hardly any memories from 15 and 16 and then 17 when Trubisky came along, I was getting back into it. So I'll take your word for it, Andy. So the last time these two teams played was the second red flag in the Matt Nagy era. Yep. So first one had been the, the offense's complete uh, lack of anything against the Eagles in the playoff game. The the actual playoff game. And now they are three and one heading out to England to play at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. And you figure, all right, the Raiders had both of their wide rece- both their starting wide receivers were out. And you're like, this will be easy. This is the Khalil Mack revenge game. Everything was setting up. It was going to be great. Yep. And uh, John Gruden, for loving or hate him, whatever you think of him, completely outcoached the visor. He did. The Ray, he basically looked at his roster and said, well, we got three tight ends that are healthy. Fuck it. We'll just throw to them the whole game, and we'll run Josh Jacobs, and it worked. Uh, it was it was 17 nothing at halftime, the Raiders over the Bears. And then yep. give the Bears credit, they came back, and they took the lead in the third quarter. What was disheartening about this game was that it was the first time in like this current Nagy era that the defense really yeah. failed to help them out. Because the offense went and fished that game out of the water. Right. They, it was, uh, 
Was it was it was uh, was it Chase Daniel? Was he the quarterback? He was. Yep. So this is just two years ago. They're playing the Raiders again because of the 18-game schedule. It's like a random thing. Right, this was the bonus game. This was the game that yeah. would, it would not have been played had they not had the... Because otherwise, they're not scheduled to play the Raiders for another couple of years normally. So it was just a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I didn't know the Raiders were 2-2. Two and two. I just thought they were terrible going into this game. I think maybe it was more that our confidence was high with the Bears because they were coming off a divisional uh, championship. Yeah. And they were three and one. They were three and one. Pick up where they left off. Yep. And then they fell way down in that game, and then took the lead. And then the I remember it was like kind of the first chink in Khalil Mack's uh, armor. I felt like Like he did not have a good game. No, he did not have a good game. Felt human for the first time. Uh, Dave Montgomery scored a touchdown. Uh, Eddie Pinheiro was the kicker. He made the extra point. And then Allen Robinson caught two touchdown passes from Daniel. Bears take the lead. You think, all right, well they're just gonna, you know, yep. Order has been restored. But uh, no. So on the day, I'm going to pull up the passing stats for Derek Carr. Yeah, there. I'm trying to think now. Is it, um, there, there were like weird things that happened in that game. Like, wasn't there like a big fumble? Like Derek, like a big bad snap. Like the Bears had all kinds of advantages in this game. They could not take advantage. Maybe I have it wrong. It's funny. I can recall with exacting detail, like the Jeff Jager game from 18 years ago and then I struggle to come up with details from two years ago hasn't been hardwired yet so Carr was 25 for 32 for 229 yards he completed passes to nine different receivers his top three re- targets were Trevor Davis Foster uh-huh. Moreau uh-huh. and Darren Waller their tight ends well, he I know he's good now right yeah was this he... was kind of his coming out game actually he only caught four passes but Okay. Big ones. Josh Jacobs ran 26 times for 123 yards. He also caught three passes for 20 yards. Um, I think the wide receiver who caught the most passes was DeAndre Washington. I mean, it was that's what we thought. It's like, well, they're not going to be able. To, they're not going to be able to move the ball because they they don't have any wide receivers. Well, it didn't really. How disheartening! And you know, you're right though too. Um, I know that Chucky sometimes he's easy to mock, especially when he was an analyst. Um. He's a good coach. I see. He's especially good offensive coach. And you know, they'll find that out again on Sunday. But um, the biggest difference was the biggest difference in them is that Gruden and Nagy both have a certain way they want to play offense. But Gruden has proven time and again that if he doesn't have the guys to play it, he will adjust. He'll adapt. Nagy is like, no, we're still going to run this shit. Right. Even if I it's not put- going to work. <laughs> I will put this square peg in a round hole if it kills me. Right, which is why you can switch to career mediocrity Bill Lazor, and all of a sudden the offense works. Because Bill's just going to run plays that the guys on the team can run, where Nagy is going to prove that his shit works, even when it doesn't. Unreal. Um, But this is a perfect Nagy game. So he's got his backup quarterback plan, and the Bears rush 17 times the entire game. Dave Montgomery only gets 11 carries for 25 yards. Granted, they were down 17 nothing, but not until the second quarter. Yeah. So. Going to air it out with weenie arm Chase Daniel. <sighs> Jesus. But um, he had a good, Daniel actually had well he, he had two picks. It was 22 of 30, 89.7. Probably one of the greatest games of his career. Looking at it, even with the two picks. But. Yeah, just, what are you doing? 
Yeah, Montgomery is 11, 11 carries, 25 yards. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember, is this the week after Mitch hurt his shoulder against the Vikings? I think that's what happened. Uh, they did beat the Vikings the week before. Yeah. Mitch got hurt in that game. And then um, it's, he had to wear the harness yeah. when he came back. That's right. And then he wouldn't run. That's right. And it was kind of the end of him as the dual threat running passing quarterback. It was almost like he got in the habit right. then of not just taking off. I don't think it would have helped. He, Mitch wasn't well, he was good. coached, right? He was discouraged from taking off. Yeah, right? it wasn't get his hurt. own. You're going to get hurt. It wasn't like he was, he was gun shy. They, they told him not to. But, you know, one of the things we like to do in this podcast is talk about the uh, similarities between organizations. And, I mean, the, what, the, the immediate thing you think of is the um, both teams have historically famous charismatic owners. Al Davis and uh, Virginia McCaskey. Basically the same thing. To the fact that, I mean, I know that over the years, the NFL discouraged Virginia from wearing the white track suits to owners' meetings. <laughs> In the pomade. Yes, and just slicking her hair back. Al Davis was a character. I, we should probably just dive in that real quickly because um, – he, so he wasn't just their owner. He was their first coach, right? He, I believe he was the, the first coach in Raiders history. Um, yeah. I, I, so he and, had been you know, an assistant in for the Chargers, right? Oh. Came up under. Oh. Um, so he was not their first owner. He Sid the Gilman. Team. Wow. Or I okay. thought, or he coached with Gilman somewhere because that was Maybe. his whole the, ethos NFL. with the. Just we're going to throw the ball as far as we can down the field. Yeah, just want super fast guys. Which which, which the, the AFL encouraged. Um, maybe Gilman and him were on a staff somewhere else together. But yeah, Probably and Al NFL, was a very Al was a very successful coach. Um, he was also commissioner of the AFL. He was. Yes, he was commissioner during the merger, and it was part of the reason why he hated Pete Rozelle so much. He felt like um, they got screwed over in the merger. And so he would routinely sue the NFL to the fact that uh, Pete hated him. Um, Al felt like there's a great documentary. There's a great 30 for 30 on Al. It's weird in that they hire an actor to play Al and they interview him and they do like the Irishman face thing. Yep, and it's yep. like if you just it's not very well done that part of it. But the rest of the documentary is really good and it details um the NFL tried to portray Al as being paranoid that the NFL was out to get him, but they have a lot of examples of how the NFL was out to get him and rules they changed and um, really how you know the the legacy, even his legacy, the tuck rule. Like, would they have called that against any other team but the Raiders? It's like that would have been a fumble uh, ninety nine uh-huh. times out of a hundred, except the one time it happened, it was going to benefit the Raiders and fuck Al. It's a that's an incomplete pass. Wow. You know, yeah, I, I'm ignorant here. I did not know he was not their original owner. He worked his way up, kind of like Paul Brown in a sense. Okay. He, he managed to leverage his way in. He was their coach, but he did not become their owner until 72. So he wasn't even their owner when they went to their first Super Bowl. But he was a coach. He was. Yeah. Not the coach in the Super Bowl. It was somebody else named uh, Rouch. But, oh, he's uh, on the staff because he, he gets credit, whether he deserves it or not, for the color scheme. Yeah. Um, okay. He the, did set the tone in the 70s. The Raiders, everybody, when they think of the Raiders, everybody thinks of the iconic, the black jersey with the silver numbers and the silver helmets. But I will 
I will submit that the coolest uniform that they have, and one of the coolest in, in the NFL, is the white jersey with the silver numbers and the black trim. That's a okay. really cool uniform. The one they wore when Mark Wilson was getting pounded into a pole. Yeah. And they still break it out from time to time. Their their normal road jer- road uniform now is uh, white with black numbers with silver trim. But every once in a while, they'll they'll reverse it. And it's a really okay. cool looking uniform. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to be doing some Al David reading up on it because I, I had a lot of misperceptions. Um, fascinating character. And one of the things uh, he was great at was... Um, Reclamation projects. I mean, there's a whole... Well, Jim Plunkett. He basically, his whole team was built out of those guys. John Matuzak, John right? Matuzak. He, um, Lyle Zeno. Ken Hendricks. All the, or not Ken right. Hendricks. Uh, the Stork. Uh, uh, the Stork. Um, yeah. Uh, Ted Hendricks. Yeah, Ted. Ken was the guy who owned, uh, was a billionaire on ABC Supply in Beloit. Um, that'd be a <laughs> I don't That's think Ted Hendricks point. was a billionaire. Um, he also would famously war with his own players. Him and Marcus Allen had a had a terrible falling out, and the led Marcus to go to the Chiefs when he was still really good. Although Al wouldn't basically let him have the ball for two years, and Marcus actually joked that when he got to the Chiefs, he was so well rested <laughs> because he added two years to my career because he made me sit on the bench for two years. Um, wow, wow! But he did crazy shit like um, traded for Bo Jackson when nobody thought Bo was going to play in the NFL because. Tampa taking him number one. He, Bo had told them that if you take me, I'm going to go play baseball, and they didn't mm-hmm. believe it, and he did. And Al traded for his rights and decided a half a season of Bo was better than none. Yep. And yep. worked out that deal. Well, they um, went to the title game, even though Jackson had gotten hurt. But, yeah, Jackson was a great running back for a short period of time. His, he never – like his, well, then he, did, <laughs> he drafted Sebastian Janikowski in the first round. And everybody's like, what the hell are you drafted a kicker in the first round? And Jankowski was a good kicker for a long time, but it was, probably was dumb. Well, and as I said earlier, he also drafted Ray Guy in the first round. Um, but that didn't, you know, that worked. You yeah. know, Ray which Guy was prompted, Which prompted Wani to draft Todd Sauerbrunn in the second round. In the round. second round. <laughs> <sighs> that's true. They drafted a kicker, a place kicker and a punter in the first round. That's, well, I'm sure that was part of Al's justification. We took Ray Guy in the first round. He's a Hall of Famer. Well, and I will say Janikowski had a great career. Yeah, he was in a good kicker for a long time. Oh, he was there for oddly forever. shaped, but yes. uh, a good kicker. Yes. Um, oh. He hired um, hired Lane Kiffin when Lane had never been a head coach anywhere. He was an offensive coordinator in USC, and he hired him to be the coach. Um, the problem with that was he insisted on taking Jamarcus Russell number one, and Lane kept telling him that Jamarcus couldn't play, and then. Uh, so uh, wow. Al had to basically say, all right, fine, I'm not wrong. You can leave. And then it turned out that Jamarcus really couldn't play. Yeah, he was the commissioner apparently for one year in 66 uh, in the AFL. But he also brought, he also hired John Madden. Yep. Shrewd move. And then, um, yeah, and then after Madden, you know, he had pretty good pretty good with coaches because yeah. Flores. Can I just say, too, Tom Flores, uh, it really bothers me that it took so long for Tom Flores to make it the Hall of Fame when Bill fucking Cower got in as soon as he could. Yep. Bill Cower was with Pittsburgh forever. And yeah, he finally won a Super Bowl in 2005 after he had been there for 13 years. Fine. All right, whatever. He lost the Super Bowl in 95 and won it no, 10 years later. Uh, Tom Flores won two fucking Super Bowls in 80 and 83. Yeah. And he just got into the Hall of Fame like two years ago. Well, and Tom was the first Latino head coach, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't Art Shell the first black head coach? 
He was. And that's another thing I would not have ever guessed about it. According to the Wikipedia, Al Davis was active in civil rights, which is not a line I expected to see. So he's ref uh, refusing to allow the Raiders to play in any city where black and white players had to stay in separate hotels. And he was the first NFL owner in the modern era to hire an African-American head coach. And Art Shell did take them to that title game in 1990. He so. had uh, Otis Sistrunk played for him, right? And Otis didn't go to college. In okay. fact, I think it was Dan Meredith who said that Otis went to the University of Mars. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And like even hiring Flores, he was the uh, second NFL owner to hire a Latino head coach, first to hire a female chief executive. So I would, I, I didn't, of all the things you can say about Al Davis, I, I didn't think that he'd have like boxes checked in the, uh, in the progressive category. All right. But, but if we're going to, if we're going to, we need to be fair. So think about what, since she took over when, her dad died. Virginia Hellis, Virginia Hellis McCaskey has done a lot of the same things. Love you, um, she fired. She hired the first NFL coach with a hair lip, and Dave Wanstead, <laughs> breaking that barrier. That was great. In fairness, that was, might have been more Michael, but yeah. Well, that could have been. Yeah, it kind of was. Remember the um, the, ma the matching trench coats. The. The first head coach uh, who had a failed uh, hair, hair hair plugs, Mark Trestman. These are similar things. <laughs> they are. It's really. really. I mean, it's, yeah, the parallels are yeah, eerie. It's really when, eerie. When you, when you stop and think about it. They're basically the same person. There's one male and one female. That's right. Yeah. Pioneering. She's constantly, she's engineering their move out of Chicago to Arlington Heights, just like he yep. kept moving from city to city. Yep. Yeah, yep. so he, he leaves. Um. He leaves Oakland to go to L.A. under the first under the promise that he was going to get a stadium built. And then when they couldn't get the stadium built, then Never. they were going to remodel the Coliseum and put in a bunch of luxury boxes. And when they finally determined that they couldn't do it, he said F them, and he went back to Oakland. And he, So at one point, he was under breach of contract suits in two different cities. Including the one that he had One of whom he has gone, had gone back to. If you ever see an A's game now, there's this huge monstrosity in center field. It's this, it's this, it's this awful black. Yep. It's these big skyboxes, and they ruin. I mean, Oakland Alameda Coliseum, and then it's a million names after that. It was never a really great stadium, but it it's completely ruined by this eyesore in center field, and they call it Mount Davis. Yeah, you mentioned that actually uh, last episode. Just, just awful. Um, and then, uh, and then he also produced uh, his son Mark. Oh, the most one of the most handsome men in America. I don't know if you've ever seen. Um, at, so Mark Davis is building a mansion outside of Vegas. I've seen it. <laughs> Somebody compare it to uh, I forget what they it looks like it. one of it looks like an Imperial Star Cruiser from uh, from Star Wars. <laughs> so goddamn. In fact, he's, he should be worried that Lucasfilm is going to sue him for his house. <laughs> Well, that could be another uh, parallel to Jenny McCaskey, where didn't George Lucas, he wanted to build his museum in that south parking lot of Soldier Field? Yeah. She put the you spot just, you on that. It, you can just move it to Mark Davis' home. Yep. Yeah, the Star yeah, I forget what Mark Davis' thing was with the fan. I think it was the Raiders last year, he would he would not allow them to have fans in their new, in the Roomba Dome, the Allegiant Dome, or whatever it's called. <laughs> Until until they could have 100% capacity. 
He basically said, either all our fans can come or we're going to wait until all Raider fans can come to this dome, which is, you know, was not a terrible idea. He didn't want a half, a third full stadium. He wasn't going to, yeah. they weren't, they weren't going to sell a ticket till every, till every seat could be filled. It's fair. And the Bears are going to get to see that in all its glory on Sunday. Yeah, I have not, I for, yeah, we're going to see that on Sunday then. I haven't really even gotten a look at that stadium, so. And as, as Mike Pusateri pointed out, I think it was him, right? So last week the Chargers uh, played the Raiders at SoFi, and there were more Raider fans than Charger fans. And so he said, "the uh, the Raiders are the home team in playing the Chargers this week, and they'll be the road yep. team at home next week against the Bears." They'll probably and it be is a lot true. Of Bears there will be more Bear yeah. fans there because that's you know. One of the great things about having a team in Vegas is that it's a destination it's for a every destination. other fan base. You get to go yeah, hang out in sure. Vegas for a few days and go see your team play. So Yeah, there's going to be a lot of Bears fans there. You're right. So Probably another reason why they couldn't start Andy Dalton, because he would get booed off the field. <laughs> Even on the road. Even the on the quote-unquote road. road. Yeah, I'm almost sad for Al Davis that he's not alive to see the Raiders play in Vegas. It's a perfect fit, really, just considering their – you know, their history, their brand. It's perfect that they're a Las Vegas team, man. Yeah, I don't know that he ever tried to move them there, but it, it seems like an Al thing to do. There, Of course, when he was still alive, the NFL would not have even no. deigned to consider having a team in Vegas. Whether There's he had no suggested way. it or and not. Especially yeah. if Al had suggested it. There's no right. way. They wouldn't do it under anybody. If yeah. Wellington Mara wanted to move to well, Vegas, they wouldn't have let him do and it. And they only got they only ended up in Vegas because they screwed Mark Davis out of the co um, originally he was supposed to be the other tenant in SoFi with the, um, with the Rams, the chargers were going to stay in San Diego and the Raiders were going to move in. And they engineered this whole thing because they were trying to, you know, the Spanos hadn't been able to build a stadium in San Diego and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, kind of a, a last-minute switcheroo. Um, they, they got the St. Louis Rams to come out? Is that what you're saying? Well, the Rams were always coming. It was Stan Kroenke okay. was always the one building the stadium. Got they it, wanted it. a All second right. team, and it was going to be the Raiders. And then it wasn't. And he was like, I can't stay in Oakland. So he yeah. basically, at the end, they got him to agree that he could move to Vegas. So now they're in yeah. Vegas. Well, probably where they belong. So it's an odd, it's an odd history between the Bears and Raiders. Um, it is. A lot of it is that they haven't been good at the same time. Yeah, except for except for yeah, eighty four, ninety. Yeah, you're right. They haven't. Uh, I mean, yeah. Oddly enough, two years ago they were, but even then, I mean, they've never been great outside of the eighty four game. That's really the only time that those were two teams that were sort of at the top. Yeah. The, the, the Raiders were coming off a Super Bowl championship. The Bears were a year away. And, uh, yeah, other than that, they're, yeah, just two ships yeah. passing in the night. And even at that, they played one of the ugliest games in NFL history. That's awesome. I'm going to read that Deadspin article again. I love it. I'm going to watch that game. The full, kids, the full three-hour thing is on YouTube. So um, if you uh, if you can stomach it, that's it's almost like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Uh, check it out. You'll see. Uh, you'll see some 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 real brutality. It's uh, it's awesome. <laughs> so, 
next week is Bears Packers. Oh, again? Is that right? All right. Yeah, Bears Packers. Right. And it's a noon game. That's a rarity in this. We always get stuck at the stupid. Yeah, uh, use its prime time and shit. I think the one in Green Bay is a Sunday night game. Yeah, it harkens back to the 80s, and they're it always is. at noon. Okay. Should be a law. Bears, Packers play. Always is play it, at noon. Is it also a law that we, we we roll Tim Ryan and Johnny Morris out of mothballs to broadcast it? Maybe. They're both still alive, right? Johnny Morris is. You don't hear Tim, from him, but. Uh, I think Tim Ryan's still alive. If not, we'll get the other Tim Ryan, the one who used to play uh, Lyman for the Bears. The, the one who talks like this all the time. It'd be great yeah. to have three hours the, of that. The one who, like, Jim Flanagan and Tink Johnson had the nerve to wear number 99. 99. Yeah. Some people just lack self-awareness. I mean, that yeah, is a problem when you have retired numbers like a drunken sailor in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, you know, I saw a number 50 blitzing from the outside. I don't think anyone had worn 50 since Singletary. Oh, no. The Bears been, that's been handed around. Has it? Yeah. Okay. I guess I just haven't been paying attention. It just, I noticed it and it struck me as odd. Tim Ryan, by the way, still still alive. And I didn't know he's a retired he's Canadian-born American. Still doing guy. luge somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> well, we've got some some surprises in store the rest of the season. Uh, and I've talked about it. There's a Bears-Vikings game that hopefully we can get into in December. Oh, it's but it's not Tim Ryan. Never mind. But I have a feeling uh, Tim Ryan's name, well, uh, has not been mentioned for the last time this, this year. Okay, so uh, since uh, Mike Singletary retired, Five Bears have worn number 50. Okay. Most prominently, of course, is a guy who also wore – he wore 50 and 99, right? Oh, right. Yeah. McClellan? Yeah. You got all the the Hall of Famers numbers? I I said McClellan needed to wear number 95 so he can shit on all of the Hall of Fame defensive players from the 80s. Nobody wore it for 11 years, and then James Anderson wore it for a year. Uh, James Anderson, I think, most famous for – he was the guy who didn't pick up the – the fumble against the, the Packers. Packers game. Yep, 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 yep. He ran Absolutely. right by the ball. I did not recall that he wore 50, but you're right. Uh, so it was, yeah, James Anderson, Shea McClellan, uh, Jarrell Freeman wore it for a year. No, no. Jeremiah Atochu. I can't say his nope. name. He wears it now. And, of course, the, the best, the most famous one, uh, and I'm sure if you uh, go to his holding cell, uh, wherever he is, Barkevius Mingo wore it last year. And Mingo! As, as we said earlier in this uh, one of these podcasts, um, or maybe it was on the Bear Podcast, but uh, if you want to know what Barkevius did, Google it, but don't Google it from your work computer. Oh, boy. Yeah. it's not, I don't I remember it's, that. It's ugly. Oh, it just happened in the offseason. He had signed with another team, and I had to go to jail instead. Charges against former bear, blah, blah, blah. Ooh, hey, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, I, not, it's not. I don't, I don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. I do re- recall he wore number 50. Now, Mingo, that name was popping in my head, so yeah. So somehow I successfully suppressed his And, and I think that when the Bears moved to the um, Victory Auto Record field in, in Arlington Heights. Yes. <laughs> they need to figure out what we're going to do with all these numbers. I think what they should do is actually create in the new stadium a ring of honor. Yep. And put everybody up in there that they've either retired the number or had retired number like ceremonies, like um like Singletary. Did they Sing- get permission to retire or lockers or can't they? 
don't no, think they can. And then, and then they have retired, retired way too many numbers. They have to, they have to get permission. They, they, they had to get permission. Uh, Peyton was a no-brainer. Nobody's going to stop him there. And I don't even know if they officially retired it. Nobody's going to dare to wear Ditka, it. Ditka, right? They had to get permission for Ditka? For Ditka and then also for stairs and buckets. Okay. So they even started yeah. then. Yes. So Going think, back to before 94. Yeah. But they need, to put those, they need to put those people up where people can actually see it. And then, honestly, you could probably unretire some of those numbers. Yeah. And just I mean, have, you know, like, the all-time, you know, like, nobody's nope. ever going to wear 34 again. Nobody's ever going to nope. wear 51 nope. again. Or seven for Bob Avellini and George Hallis. Right. Um, yeah, but, like, come on. Is anyone going to get brokenhearted if, if, if you know, d- does Bulldog Turner have descendants that are going to raise a stake if number 66 yeah, comes back? 66. Do, Red George Grange, McAfee's does anybody remember five, that Red Grange wore 77? 77, no. yeah. George McAfee, number five. I mean, some borderline questionable So, I don't know players. who the – I guess the – I don't know where we would set the bar, but it's certainly – Obviously, it's Peyton. It's the greatest bear of all time. So it's yes. Peyton. I would say, I would say Buckman's forty-two. Sure. Yeah, Buckman's. Luck, yeah, Luckman's Sid, because he was the only. <laughs> we clung to him forever until we right. retire number one. Sid is the only quarterback number that gets retired. Number I don't one, think of course, should... we're retiring for Jeff George, not for Justin. I don't think they should unretire number three for Nagurski. Right. And I was going to say Nagurski's so iconic. Yeah. And came and, back, and, and then he. But he you know, you can make an argument titles that... for them. You can make an argument. Red Grange was not that great of yeah. a Chicago Bear. He was a great college player. Great college player, and then whatever the barnstorming anything, he was, shit he did. Yeah, and that's fine. But if anything, he was if he was that, noted for anything as an NFL player during NFL seasons, uh, it was as a defensive player. You know, he made a big tackle in the 1933 championship game, but he was not, you know, a great NFL running back in non-barnstorming games. So, you so know. you, you got to loosen up some of these numbers so you can go back and retire. Um, you know, you can retire. Like, you know, you need to honor. Or Erlacher. Well, I was thinking like Maury Buford. Hampton. Or Hampton. Yeah, thank you. Go back and retire. Good old number eight. No, I would say Hampton, Erlacher, Singletary. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure who else. We haven't had that many great players, but you're right. There's some of those that no one's going to shed it. Well, no, anymore. I mean, the Bears have had the Bears have had a lot of great players. But the uh, the maybe more than their share. Although I guess they're they're an original franchise, 102 years. You're gonna have a lot. I mean, in the last 30 years, though, I'm saying, you know, Erlacher, yeah, Hampton, Singletary, right. You can even go to like the Super Bowl era. Yep. You know, it's well, it's because that's it's, that's post Butkus and Sayers. Yes. So. Yeah. Is it? No, it's not. Well, I mean. They were retired in '94, but they had to get they had to get permission, like you said. Yeah. So. But yeah, you're right. I mean, most of the guys we really think of, they've had you know they've had their share, I guess, in the, the last 50 years. Maybe Hester. Why not? The Cubs have retired that number. The Bulls have retired that number. Some of the I Bears think, retired. I think Lori Lightfoot should just retire that number citywide. <laughs> and then when the Bears move to Arlington, they can unretire it. That'll be her. That'll be her answer. Yes, yes. She'll get the uh, the 2006 Bears lobby in her corner. So yeah. So we'll figure out um, what we're going to do for the Packers next week. Yep. Because um, they the tip they fall into that category of a team we didn't just do last year. We did them twice. Yes, we did. Um, but yeah. So they'll be at the very least. You're going to get some of those highlights because those were two pretty good podcasts. Yeah. There's some um, good stuff we unearthed. And I then think. we can always, 
one of the two games we can we can break out something special for. Yeah, yeah. I look forward to it. All right. All righty. Well, Thanks, Andy. Sounds good. Many of us have herpes.